People love him already. He's got the uh, Rhode Island twang. The long pass to Moore and a pin block from Martin. Tune in to Cam's corner. He's going <laughs> to make it here. Draws the foul for another Rhode Island in one. Podcast his own podcast. It's good off the backboard and in. Kind of great. We are back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Cam's Corner Season 3. I want to say episode 17. Let me double check really quick. I want to make sure this is the correct episode. We're on that pathway to 100. Episode 19 of season three. 87 overall, so on that milestone of 100, almost there. Zach Austin, the Rhode Island women's broadcaster on the radio over at Learfield, is in the building tonight. Zach, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Cam. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, for sure. It's a long time coming. I wanted to have Zach in person. Uh, Zach just graduated from the University of Rhode Island in the fall, so now was full-time, was always full-time with Rhode Island, uh, women's basketball, um, and now you don't have to worry about classes. This is your full-time gig right now. Um, been doing that since last year. We'll get all into that, dig deep into the experience and how it's been, but for you, just tell the viewers where you're from uh, and where that that passion for sports really sparked, because obviously, like, growing up, I'm sure you had idols in the sports broadcasting realm, but, you know, just talk talk about the passion for sports growing up. Yeah, so I uh, I grew up in New England. Um, I'm mm-hmm. from Massachusetts. It's from a town uh, called Milford. Uh, it's about Central Mass. Um, and you know, obviously, growing up in New England, I always followed the New England sports, uh, particularly the Patriots and the Celtics, uh, two of my favorite teams. I actually just went to the Celtics game the other day against the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, got the nice win. Um, but I've always enjoyed watching sports um, growing up, um, particularly again those two teams. Mm-hmm. But I think as I grew up, you know, I think my interest in it grew. I never knew for sure that this is what I wanted to do. But, um, you know, I'd be watching, let's say, a Patriots game on TV. And, you know, I'm very into it. So I'd say something. And then the announcer would say that exact thing like a second later. And I'm like, you know, I think maybe I could do this. Um, and so, you know, eventually, you know, I, and then eventually I got to URI. And that was something that it was an option I could explore uh, and kind of dive into that interest more. And then I haven't really looked back since. Yeah, that's funny you say that. Like, we, I would watch games with my dad, too, and like, he would say something, before, like, right after the play happened, and then the announcer would say the same thing. He's like, I got an act for this. I could do this. So when I was a kid, I was like, oh, that'd be so cool to, like, be able to do that. I never really had, like, like growing up, I didn't have any, like, idols that I was like, oh, I want to be like him when I grow up. I wanted to play, I wanted to play basketball when I grew up. And um, obviously when COVID and when all that – kind of reality check happened. I was like, all right, I got to figure out a pathway. And I'm, I'm sure like COVID was a tough time for you when you were graduating your senior year. Um, I think we're, we're the same yeah. age. So um, you graduated a semester early. I'm, I got one more left right now in the spring. But um, what was your mindset like at that point when you uh, chose Rhode Island? Yeah, so in high school, I, I really was in the tennis uh, playing wise. I played um, every year in high school. I was supposed to be a captain my senior year and, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't have a lot of fun my senior year of high school. I was I was over it at that point. And the one thing I was looking forward to in the spring was, was playing. And I think we had just started our uh, captain's practices, which mm. were not my favorite thing, but you get through that and then the season's here. And then sure enough, that week, everything shuts down. And then you kind of could tell right away it was not, it was, it was not going to go well. Mm. Um, so that was disappointing. I, I feel like I got over that pretty quick, though, um, just because – you know, it was a quiet time. You could kind of reflect on things a little more. Um, but at the same time, you know, as as you know, we were, you know, deciding on schools. And I didn't really apply to a lot of different schools, uh, mostly just state schools in the area. I know 
a lot of private schools have like funding problems, especially now you consider COVID. I kind of wanted to avoid dealing with that. Um, so that was my main motivation too for for where I applied, and ultimately uh, out of the few that I did, uh, URI seemed like the best fit. Uh, again, not too far away from home, uh, they had a lot of different options. So I knew I wanted to explore, you know, sports media and, and journalism and those things. But I knew if if I just didn't like that, didn't enjoy it, there might be other options for me. Uh, so that's why I picked URI. And then uh, obviously freshman year during COVID was crazy too, but. At that point, you know, it was just get involved. You know, I was willing to do whatever it took to kind of be a part of something. I think I joined the the student newspaper, The Cigar, like right away, first week. And I was a little bit involved with WRU by the end of the year. I actually got to go to some women's games that year, even though there was no fans, um, which kind of sparked my love for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the year, I was going to be on the e-board for the next year, and then it kind of progressed from there. Yeah, refresh my memory. When did Tammy – start becoming the head coach so she took over the year before our freshman year so that was the uh, 2019-2020 season gotcha so our freshman year she was there and that was like kind of like your first introduction to her basically yeah um yeah i went to i think three games um two of them for the newspaper i was supposed to call one of them actually for wru and Mm. it didn't work out and i was like oh man i don't know if i'll have another chance to do this Mm. um but i again going and seeing that team play they were so much fun to watch and I actually also had a chance to cover their, their A-10 tournament game remotely. Uh, they went down to VCU to play them. Uh, I watched from my dorm room, and I had the time of my life covering that. I wasn't even there. So, yeah. again, that team was just so fun to watch. And I'm like, any chance I have have to, to tell this story, I want to take it. For sure, yeah. And um, did you have any – I mean, at high school it's a little different. I know I, I talked with Stone Freeman, who's, again, been uh, the pinnacle of a lot of Rhode Island broadcasts and – helping a lot of students as well, guest speaking at the University of Rhode Island. But um, he told me um, he did a lot of high school stuff, you know, like obviously writing, uh, tried to like broadcast public address with his high school at, at Bishop Hendrickson in Warwick. And um, I wanted to know if you had anything like that in high school or was it kind of just like right when, you know, you were applying for schools, you saw sports media and then you just kind of took it and rolled freshman year. Yeah, and, and to your point, Stone has, has been amazing, certainly yeah. in my journey. He's helped me so much and – there's not too many better role models you can ask for. Um, but, no, I'd say my high school experience in that sense differed quite a bit. Um, I didn't have any avenues to explore broadcasting. Mm. I think my town had, like, a station, and maybe you could help out with, like, cameras and stuff. Um, but, you know, that never really appealed to me at the time. Um, and we did have a school newspaper, but it was very small. It wasn't the most well-oiled machine. I did what I could with it, but ultimately most of the things I did there wasn't sports related. So um, I had written stories before I got to URI, but I never covered sports, which is why I wanted to do it so bad. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it was a, a very good decision, but uh, to, to make a long story short, no, I didn't really have any opportunities before college. So that was, that was my first experience getting in into uh, sports media. Yeah, me either. And it kind of like similar to you, like you loved playing tennis in high school. That was like, your passion playing sports and that kind of really sparked your interest in, in getting into sports media. And for me, it was basketball. Um, and I, I thought I was going to play like at division three and then again, COVID and all that stuff happened. But, um, I had no kind of, kind of similar, no like pathway on like really what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to work in sports. I just didn't know what it was. And then when I was at Rick, um, you know, I realized that the programs were the greatest, but I wanted to do like broadcasting and, you know, once that whole year was done, a lot of games under my belt, I was like, I'm going to transfer to uh, URI to see if I can get back in. And, you know, long behold, uh, everybody that I contacted told me to get in contact with you. 
with uh, Kyle Standing and Adam Bernstein. So they they were huge in my my whole process. They graduated. Uh, Kyle and Adam graduated last year. You just graduated in the fall. So just kudos to you guys again for helping me out throughout the whole process. And um, I guess that that transition from freshman year to sophomore year, fans are back in the Ryan Center. You kind of have more of a grasp on what you want to do. Um, did anything kind of seem like crystal clear? Was it more like, okay, I want to stick with broadcasting, do all the other stuff on the side to be versatile, but was it more like, okay, this is what I'm going to stick with? So after my freshman year, again, I had not broadcast a single game. I think I had helped with one, yeah. like in studio for, for WRU, the student radio station. I was on the e-board, so I knew I'd be calling games. Um, but, you know, I was still with a cigar, so I and that's the thing I had done the most freshman year. So I think, again, at that point I was going more for versatility, but it was actually a funny story. Um, it was the week before we moved in sophomore year, so this was right before Labor Day. Um, the ESPN Plus broadcasts were starting to to ramp up a bit. And I got a text from, um, at the time, the the station manager uh, for WRU, Will Pipicelli, who, again, has been a great role model for me. He has helped me so much. Um, and he said, hey, uh, ESPN Plus is looking for a color commentator for the men's soccer game. It's Rhode Island and Providence on Labor Day. And it's like, it doesn't get much better than that for matchups. But at first, I'm like, I don't know if I should take this because I don't know anything about soccer. Mm. And I thought about it for like 10 minutes, and I ultimately said, I can't pass up on this. This is too good of an opportunity. If it doesn't work, you know, at least I tried it. And looking back, that might be one of the single best decisions I ever made. Um, I did that game. Maybe not great, but I did it. Uh, I got asked to do a volleyball game, and I did that game as well, which also was a good game. The soccer game went to double overtime, ended up being a draw. And then volleyball, I think, went to four sets, something like that. I also had the opportunity to do both those games with Stone, which I think helped me so much. Uh, I remember him giving me some pointers the first two broadcasts that I think changed the way I called games from there on out. Um, so I had those two games under my belt um, broadcast-wise, and then I was asked to do another soccer game, and I was supposed to do this game with Stone as well. Um, but that weekend, I think it was the Governor's Cup, Rhode Island and Brown on the road, so Stone wasn't actually available for that game. He went to the football game. So they asked me if I wanted to do play-by-play. This is my third broadcast. I still haven't done a single student radio broadcast at this point. And I thought I would have to take at least a year to get to this point. I didn't expect to be doing play-by-play. So obviously I jumped at the opportunity. And that game, sure enough, went to double overtime and there was a game-winning goal. Um, but I think, you know, again, those, those opportunities, me saying yes to that, I changed everything. Um, and then once basketball season rolled around, I knew they were looking for people for women's basketball. I always said, hey, you know, I'm available if you need me. Sure enough, they needed me for a game. I did it. It was URI against Princeton. And that was Princeton's first loss in like almost two years uh, of real time, which was incredible. And then again, I just kept getting more chances. I think I called almost every uh, conference game that year on ESPN+. Plus. Um, but yeah, it kind of was just me saying yes to to different chances. And you know, my advice to anybody would be to do the same. You know, if you ever have an opportunity to call a game, you know, find a way to make it work. You might have to try to, you know, miss a class. Not that I'm saying miss class, but sometimes you might have to in those in those cases every now and then or whatever you need to do. But if you can take advantage of those opportunities, definitely do it because it, it can change everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Rhode Island has so many, like, avenues to branch out into. Like, um, they give the students media availability for, like, press conferences and things like that. And Zach says, don't mi- try to miss class, but sometimes those press conferences are in class, and if you really want to get to it and you really want to hone in on your craft and 
you know, have storylines and whatnot. Like those press conferences are really useful to go to. And, um, you know, Shane Donaldson, shout out to Shane. He does a great job of allowing students to do that. He's the SID at URI. And, um, you know, he was one of the first per- people I contacted, him and Dave Walzer, who's one of the um, people at ESPN Plus who does all, like, the production and things like that. Um, but for yourself, like, it kind of like the same thing for me was, like, um, I reached out to them uh, without doing a student radio. I didn't really get into a lot of the student radio stuff until I was on campus. So in the summer, before school even started, there was a few, like, soccer broadcasts. And my first ever game was with you. We did the game against um, – I'm trying to think. I think it was UMass Lowell, right? UMass, UMass yeah, UMass yeah, Lowell. And I remember that game. Yeah, we did that one. And then I think there was, like, a Holy Cross game or something like that following that, like, once school started. But, um, yeah, that was – like I, again, same thing with you. I had no idea about soccer. And then, like, as we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, my God, this – I thought, like, soccer was one of, like, your main sports. So to hear that you didn't have anything, like, prior knowledge to your first soccer broadcast is kind of mind-blowing. But – um, that kind of goes to what you said about just always saying yes. Once you keep doing those reps, it just gets like better and better from there. So this was sophomore year, you said, right? That was yeah, your this first was, ever one. This was, uh, yeah, my sophomore year is my first broadcast. Uh, I think I did, I did three for ESPN Plus for soccer, and then I did another for radio. So when I had done that game with you, I had done just that, and then I think two other games that same week. Wow. Um, so yeah, I and then I did soccer all of this past fall. But yeah, I'm still still learning as I go. But for it, sure. I had a lot of fun calling those games, I, especially the men's team when I when I first started. They are incredible. They mm. had so much talent. They had uh, Patrick Ajemong, who was drafted last year in in the uh, MLS by Charlotte, uh, which was amazing. He was so much fun to watch. But uh, yeah, no, those are those are some fun experiences. Yeah, definitely. And like, you know, those aren't the ideal. Sometimes those aren't the ideal sports for a lot of people to call, but it's where you get your reps and where you really kind of find your true colors as a broadcaster. I, I found out because, like, basketball obviously was the the main drive for me to be a, become a broadcaster. And um, once I when they were like, "Oh, you got to start with soccer and then do some volleyball and then we'll see what, how basketball comes," I'm like, ah, "I don't know." But I was like, you know what? I talked with Stone. Everyone that I talked to in that field was like, "Just say yes to everything." Um, and then again, when we had a conversation before the broadcast meeting, you and you said the same exact thing, the same kind of. Um, thing applies for your journey and everything like that. So um, I guess that summer from like sophomore year to junior year, um, when did the internship process kind of start and kind of click in your head and when did those opportunities start to open up? Yeah. And, and again, shout out to Stone because yeah. I think he, he really helped make this possible. But, you know, I I wouldn't really have much of a plan because, again, I, I, my main goal going to college wasn't necessarily to be a broadcaster. It was something that I really enjoyed doing. And I think even through my sophomore year, when I was starting to call more and more of the women's basketball games, I was still kind of in that mindset. Um, and I wasn't really thinking of it as much as a career yet. Um, but I think it was a it was early February. I got a text. It was a Friday night. I got a text from Stone. He said, hey, uh, my friends at the Ocean State Waves are looking for a broadcaster. Would you be interested? And if not, that's okay. I'll ask someone in my class. Um and I, I got me thinking because I hadn't really thought about it much yet. And I think, generally speaking, in the process, this was very late. Um, and, again, I didn't really have any plans. So I'm like, yeah, let, let's go for it. And uh, I quickly got in contact with the Waves, and they, they brought me on. And that was a great experience. And, again, baseball is not one of my strongest sports either, but kind of to the point you alluded to, take advantage of every opportunity. And that was my introduction, my first introduction to a lot of things that helped me out now. Um, traveling to do road games, uh, setting up equipment kind of on your own, um, and calling a, every single game for a team uh, home in a way. You kind of get the full picture, uh, and you get to tell the full story, which I really enjoy um, as a broadcaster. But that process, too, long summers, you're living away from home. 
uh, long days, hot days. Um, I think it really toughens you out and it, you, you kind of get through those growing pains mm-hmm. that at the end of the day make you better. And again, I think going through that really did help me to get to where I am now. And I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Yeah. And shout out to uh, Nathan Roblard as well. He's one of the uh, FM directors for WRIU at uh, URI. And um, I know he had that internship this past summer. He told me a lot of stories where, you know, things weren't going right. And a lot, a lot of memorable stories where it's like, this is one, why you do it because you have those memories again to look back on. But it's like, you know, all like the hardships and steps that you took to get to the point that you're at now. So did you kind of, did you have any stories like that? Like in the summer where you, you look back and you're like, oh, this is like, why am I doing this? But it made you a better broadcaster and a better, like, I guess person too at the end of the day. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, there were times certainly early in the year, um, where things were not great. And more often than not, you'd be more frustrated than excited to do a game. <laughs> um, I remember the main thing for me was the waves did not have a camera. And, you know, I'm not going to get into all that, but we, it was it was a, a streaming broadcast. You needed a camera, too. And we didn't have one. And, you know, I don't own one. I'm not I, I'm not paid to do this. I'm not going to spend my own money on a camera. So, ultimately, we ended up using an iPad for the entire year as our camera, which not the best. But, again, I, I wanted to, you know, help make the quality of the broadcast better. I, I remember at the preseason call, the commissioner of the league said uh, – that he didn't really like the way our broadcasts were in the past because our press box was kind of to the side on the right and the angle was all weird. So I'm like, all right, why don't we make a way for this to be a straightaway angle you can see the entire outfield because it's a one-camera production. Um, so we did that. Um, we So that was successful. I'm happy we did that. Then there'd be times we had this old, like, dusty mixer that was sitting in the press box. That was our mixer that we used. There'd be times where that thing just would not work. Um, and then that's not even to mention, you know, the streaming uh, software that we used at the time, which I had to run off my own personal laptop. So I had my, all my notes on there. Mm. Then I had to run that. I don't know how my computer survived that. But, um, again, that's kind of part of working through those type of things. Um, and by, you know, the midpoint of the year, I think everything was running pretty smoothly. But, um, yeah, no, it makes you better. And then once you're able to, you know, not have to think about those things as much, you can really start to enjoy the product on the field that you're seeing. And I think that's the most rewarding part about it. Do you feel like that made you like an even better broadcaster than you were at the time? Because again, baseball is not a lot of people's strong suits, but it's again, those days Stone was saying it the other night, like you're broadcasting like almost every day of the week. Yeah. I mean, there'd be days where the biggest trip we took with the waves was we did a double header up in Vermont, like way up. And we don't stay overnight on these trips. You take the bus up that day of, and then you take the bus back. So we left it, I think, nine in the morning. We got there whatever time it was. It was like a five-hour bus ride, which now I've done a million of those, mm. so that doesn't even phase me anymore. But at the time, that was you know really long. Um, we played two games. We left at probably you know ten at night. Got back at three in the morning, and we had a home game the next day. You just you just kind of turn around. So um, I think again that's part of the experience too. But um, yeah, no, it definitely makes you a better broadcaster. Um, doing doing things you're necessarily uncomfortable, you're not necessarily comfortable with. Right. Um, and kind of working through some, you know, production things too, because to that point, the only really production related things I had done in in terms of broadcasting was WRU. And that was a very simple process. You have a Comrex, which is the main device you broadcast off some headsets and you press a couple buttons and that's it. This was a lot more intensive and I think it really prepared me better and it gave me a better background going into the last year or so. What's like preparing for that? Like, I know obviously with women's basketball, you have a little bit more of leeway in, in, in terms of days. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, a day turnaround or like two day turnaround where you have that like time to 
really prepare, but if it's like day after day after day, like what what's the preparing process like? Yeah, for baseball, it got tough. Um, mm-hmm. I pretty much just the day of, I would update stats. I would, so I didn't hand, well, I started handwriting my notes when I first started broadcasting, and I realized very quickly this was not going to work for every game because mm-hmm. that summer I did 33 games. So I ended up, uh, actually, I, some of the other broadcasters that first week, I noticed used this app called uh, Microsoft OneNote. Everything's on yeah. your laptop. The disadvantage is it's not all laid out in front of you at the same time. You have to kind of maneuver through it during the broadcast, but you could fit so much more information on there. So that is something I started to use, and it was great. It was easy to do day of, you know, when I needed to update numbers. Um, but sometimes if I had, like, an opening in the morning, day before, i just add all the players from the next team. I was pretty much working every hour of every day. <laughs> there was not much downtime, and it was quite exhausting. But, again, you, you get the whole month of August off, so – once you get through that grind, it was it was very uh, very worth it. But um, it was a lot more intense. And then now with women's basketball, I, I have you know physical spotting charts. I don't write them out; I type them. But um, again, I think being able to know what to look for to uh, certain stats, storylines, you want to kind of have well-rounded notes. So I think uh, going through baseball, where you kind of have to find those things because there's a lot more downtime during the game, I think is rewarding uh, now for basketball. Yeah, definitely. And for me, when starting off, it was tough to really find a rhythm into like, you know, what notes work, like what layouts work and stuff like that. And talking to a lot of different broadcasters, they say like, there's no like right way of doing it. It's kind of like the way that you feel comfortable. And um, for you, I want to know, obviously you said the Microsoft OneNote, uh, you introduced that to me, the first broadcast. I use it a little bit for those games, but um, like for now, is is there anything different that you see now in your notes that you try to implement back then? Like, is it kind of like the same process, or are you trying to experiment with different things every day? Um, so the base of my notes basically is this: you know, I go to the roster page of whatever team, I go to the stats, and then I go through to see if there's any storylines. I check the like last game, things like that. So those that's kind of where I start. And then for me, it's obviously a matter of picking what's important and how to lay it out. Um, and kind of to touch on your earlier point, I change my prep like my style of prep almost every year Mm. i have a i have a different spotting board this year than i did last year if i continue this next year there's a good chance i might have a new one then um but you know again it's whatever works best there's no right answer to it um but yeah it's those simple things and you kind of branch out from there sometimes i kind of find myself going to these rabbit holes Mm. when i do prep and i really enjoy this this is this is part of the reason i love broadcasting so much is finding some obscure things uh, maybe it's like a season series type number. Uh, the, the most recent one I can think of is we just played George Washington on the road um, at the end of January. And I look through the uh, head-to-head series log. And sometimes you have to find things yourself. The game notes, again, shout out to all the SIDs, uh, Shane, Michaela, and Meg. They're all amazing. Um, but sometimes there's things that aren't in there that you find yourself that's so rewarding. And I remember uh, going through, and I realized the URI, until the last time they had went to George Washington, had never won there on the road. Yeah. They were 0-25 in the series until the last time they went. Um, there's another one I, I remember we played Harvard twice last year. Um, they hadn't won at Harvard since the 90s. I think it was the 95-96 season. Both teams actually made the NCAA tournament that year. So it was discovering that like streak, then mm. discovering that year both teams made the tournament, which is the only time that's ever happened. Um, sometimes I'll see a, a, a player played against another player years ago and then right. they're, they're teammates or there's some other connection, like any little thing like that. I just love. And even if I don't mention it on the broadcast, I think it gets me more 
you know, it gets me excited for the the matchup and just knowing the little like intricacies of the stories that that you're telling. And that's so rewarding as a broadcaster. For sure. And that jump from sophomore year now to junior year, that's when we met. Uh, did you have any other internships besides the Waves, or is that your only your only internship? Yeah, so the Waves, I did that um, between my sophomore and junior year. That's yeah. the only internship I did. I, I decided to take um, last summer off, which was a tough decision for me. Um, partially, well, part of it was I was so, you know, wound up with schoolwork and broadcasting during the time that a lot of those positions were open that I just missed it. But I, I it was a conscious decision, too, because – I had experienced that the last summer, and then I also had traveled during the year two to do basketball, um, and I hadn't had a lot of time to be home. I think I was not home a whole lot that year. And again, being from New England, I've only ever lived in New England. Um, it, it's easy to get homesick when you're when you're gone that long, um, and so I wanted to take that time to myself. I also knew, especially in this business, there is a really fine line and, and a balance between getting experience and then making enough money to live on, which mm. isn't something I have to think about a ton right now, you know, having just graduated college, but that's something that's always been on my mind. And you have to make decisions about that. You have to, you know, do you sacrifice experience or do you sacrifice, you know, how much you can make? And I really did sacrifice that when I did the waves. So I have to take the summer to just build up some money, build up my bank account. Um, and I didn't do any broadcasting, but I think I was, um, I was okay with that decision because, I knew, especially compared to a lot of the people that do summer baseball, that's their big thing. That's, you know, as a student, that's what they get to do because a lot of them go to these bigger schools like Syracuse or uh, Notre Dame, Penn State, Ithaca, you know, all Mm -hmm. these big broadcasting schools that they don't necessarily have the chance during the year because there's so many people doing broadcasting. They might not get consistent reps, and that's where they get that. I knew that between women's basketball and the other sports I was doing at URI, um, I didn't need to worry about reps quite as much. It's always good to get more reps, and I would have I would have welcomed that. But I wanted to prioritize myself a little bit, so I, I did take last summer off. But uh, between the waves and everything else, uh, no other internships. Uh, and then, of course, uh, women's basketball came along, and that's that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, I mean, just kind of run me through that. Run me through the story of how uh, roadie women's basketball came into your lap. I mean, I know obviously that's not the the greatest way to explain it because there's a lot of hardship and a lot of different experiences that you had to do to get to that point. But obviously um, the SIDs and the people in charge, they saw something in you that they wanted to implement in the Learfield broadcast. So just run me through uh, what that day was like, uh, the, the timeline of events that led up to you becoming the broadcaster for women's basketball. Yeah. And you know, I don't, yeah, I agree with you on, on, the, on that, you know, it didn't necessarily fall into my lap, but I think it's right. something that I, I certainly, you know, I think it's because of the work I had put in my first two years that I was in position for it. Um, but I remember I was actually on vacation. I was in, I was in San Diego. This was our last day. We were flying home that day. Uh, me and my family were on vacation. I got a text from Shane Donaldson, uh, which is very rare. We, we, this is July, so this is this this definitely piqued my interest. And um, he said, "Hey, you know, I have an opportunity. I'd love to talk to you about. Are, are you free sometime this week?" And I knew I could meet with him in a couple of days, so I'm like, "Yeah, I can come in." Um, and again, this whole time, I have absolutely no idea what this is, but I, I had this gut feeling that this was something important. You know, that you know, if this is something that you know they wanted to bring me in for, but at the same time, I'm like, you know. What could it possibly be? I thought maybe they'd have me write like go roadie recaps or something, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I, you know, that's kind of the scale I was expecting. So, so I go in uh, to Shane's office a couple of days later, um, and you know, we catch up, and then he walks me down to a different office 
Um, and this was a very new-looking office. Learfield was actually moving into this this office while I met with them. And that's where I had the opportunity to meet uh, Matt Swiss, who's the general manager of Rody Sports Properties, which is uh, part of Learfield. Um, and he's he's amazing. He's helped me so much as well over the years. Uh, and I'm so grateful for both of them. But they sat me down and at the time, there was no radio for women's basketball. They had it for men's basketball. They had it for football. And that was something I was in the back of my mind the year before when I was doing doing ESPN Plus was that would be so cool to have a radio broadcast that does the road games and, and all the games because they're so good and, and they deserve the coverage. And so when they told me, hey, you know, we're thinking of starting women's basketball broadcast for Weirfield and we want you to do it, um, I was so excited. I probably looked like a kid on Christmas. <laughs> um because that was something that I always thought would be such a cool opportunity, and the fact that they they saw you know they saw what they liked in me and they wanted me to carry that out, it, it meant the world to me. Um, because I did have so much fun covering that team. Uh, I also actually I went to Wilmington, Delaware to do the tournament with WRU the year before, which was my first time traveling to to call a game for them, and. I I would have said yes on the spot, but just because it's it's such a logistical like shift from what I was used to, um, you know, I didn't say yes right away. But I'm like, listen, I love this opportunity. I want to do this, um, and sure enough, I did. And, and kind of we've been rolling ever since. But it's such a great opportunity, and it might seem dramatic to say this, but I do think it was a really life changing for me because it, it kind of shifted my trajectory from broadcasting being more of an interest and a hobby that I explored to something that I could seriously build into a career. Yeah, and for them to be A-10 co-champions of the regular season last year and for you to be the first broadcaster for radio to do that, I mean, what is that? how does that feel? Like, what, it, what was that feeling for you in that moment? It's amazing, and I think, you know, when there's times you're down, you feel spoiled almost because of how great they were in that first year. And It wasn't my first year covering the team or calling games for them, but being the voice of the team, right. um, it was great, you know, to see every step of that journey from day one um, – to the end, I think is so rewarding as a broadcaster when you know you you know you've seen the highs and the lows of the team, and um, you know it, sometimes you don't necessarily know how good you have it having that happen in year one. But I knew I w- that we were witnessing something really special, and that really culminated in the day they won the title, the regular season title. It was the regular season finale at home against Dayton, and when you're doing a game, you you kind of you're in the moment. You you're calling the game, and you don't really think about those type of things, especially when it's something of this scale that's never happened before and I've certainly never experienced. But then once the final whistle sounded and, and the confetti started falling, it, things changed. You you started to feel the 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 weight of, of the season and what happened. And uh, it was just such a surreal feeling uh, seeing the confetti come down and, and getting a championship T-shirt. I mean, all of that is, is just so cool. And um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, I mean – Talk about, too, like the interaction you have with like players and the coaches. Obviously, Coach Tammy Reese is an outgoing person, to say the least, but um, you get to spend like this quality time with them off the court as well. Uh, just talk about how, um, I guess, welcoming they've been in these past two years, too. They, they've been amazing. Um, I, I mean this when I say I don't think that a lot of places would treat someone like me in this role quite as well as this team does because – um, they're amazing. They're all obviously they're great coaches and great players that we've seen. But I think the thing that's harder to appreciate is just how amazing you know people they are. Um, whether it's just something as simple as this, or or how they've given back to um, Roadie Nation, or with, especially with the fundraising stuff and and all the interactions with the fans, they they are top notch. Um, they they are as good as it gets in the business. And 
Um, but another thing, too, to kind of touch on that point is when you're broadcasting a game, especially if, um, you know, you only call a few few games for a team, whatever team that may be, it's harder to appreciate what you're seeing because you only see the product on the floor. And, you know, I can't say I've, I've seen every practice and know every little detail of the team, but um, getting to get to know everybody kind of a little bit on a personal level, too, outside of, of basketball, I think really helps you appreciate it because then you can feel along with them. You can kind of relate to the successes they're having or maybe the hardships. And um, you you feel like you're kind of part of it. You know, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm part of you know, at, at winning or anything like that. I'm just there to call a game. But um, you kind of, you really start to feel like you're a part of it. And I think that that gives you such a deeper understanding or a deeper appreciation, I should say, for, for what you're doing and the story you're telling. Um, and, and now that I've experienced that with, with basketball and with the waves too, which was, that was the first time I experienced that something like that was traveling with the waves and it made my transition to women's basketball so much easier because I had traveled before I had, you know, gone to road games and called those before, which made life so much easier. Um, but now, you know, looking forward to my career, I hope I can be in a position where I get to call every game where I can be, you know, maybe the, the main announcer for a team, um, I think that would be so fulfilling for me. I, that's kind of a goal of mine now. That's something I didn't realize I wanted before because, you know, was, even with women's basketball, I called all their home games. I had so much fun doing that, but that was like the tip of the iceberg. There's mm-hmm. so much more to it than that. And I, I think I've really gained a, a deep appreciation for that over the years. What's been your most memorable road game? Uh, you know, your first time really traveling with a team, like something that you can think of that will always stick with you. I'll never forget my first broadcast um, um, against Harvard. That was the season opener. We actually played there twice. We finished our season there in the WNIT, which was a really cool full circle moment, even though we didn't win either game. Um, but that first broadcast I'll never forget because, again, it, I'm by myself. I'm on the road. Everyone else that cares about this team is at the Ryan Center watching Archie Miller's debut, as they should be, I think, in that case, because that's such a kind of a, a monumental game. But it, it, it was kind of a lonely feeling being on the road, having, you know, being on a solo radio broadcast and doing this for the first time. And I knew it was going to be kind of a tough adjustment for me because I hadn't done so much radio at that point. Um, but I remember going, testing my sound and going through the, um, the spots and hearing the narrator say, here's the voice of roadie women's basketball, Zach Austin. I just thought that was the coolest thing. I'm like, all right, I'm where I need to be. Um, and, and this is what I meant to do. And, um, that game was rough. Their, the stats were not working in the second quarter. And, again, being new to this, doing radio, and being by myself and not having stats, that was not fun. Mm. Um, but I'll never forget that because it was um, it was a great learning experience and it was the start of something amazing. Um, but I, it, to answer your question maybe in a more you know conventional way, I'd have to say the A-10 tournament last year. Uh, going to Wilmington, Delaware, Chase Field House, which is the home of the Delaware Bluecoats, the Sixers G League affiliate. Mm. That's such a cool building. Mm. I, I'm kind of a little sad it's not there anymore. Uh, we're not going to be going back. But I, I went down and did it for two years. Um, and last year doing it for Learfield, the, the semifinals game against St. Louis. Um, again, not a game that we won. But I think if there's a full range of emotions you can experience calling a basketball game that game had everything you you feel the despair you go down by such a big margin right out the gate st louis you know through not just the first punch they threw the first five and um you think you know there's not much hope of coming back but then they slowly start hmm. to make their way back and you're thinking do they have a chance because this is history on the line this is a chance to go to the finals um a chance to come back from an insurmountable amount it seems and 
they had their chances to tie and they just missed it. But I, there were certain times in that game where, you know, you, you just get so caught up in the emotion of it and you just never forget that. Um, and that will always be towards the top of the list of games, games I've called. Um, I also really enjoyed uh, calling the game at Princeton last year. The game this year, too, at home, but at Princeton, that's such a cool cool gym as well, Jadwin Gymnasium. And that game came down to the buzzer. I think Princeton scored a game-winning layup as the buzzer sounded. That was such a fun game to call. Um, and then this year, um, NC State, uh, having the chance to travel down the Raleigh in a building with so much history. There was a crowd of 5,000 there. That's the largest crowd I've experienced calling a women's basketball game. And you were had the lead for 37 and a half minutes in that game. There was a chance. They they had, and this team was ranked as high as three this year. They were 10th, I think, at the time, maybe 14th when we played them. We had them on their heels. And, oh, man, that, that would have been such a cool win. But, again, being able to experience that atmosphere and that type of game against that quality of opponent is something that I'll never forget. Definitely. And the, the career, when you look back at it, I mean, those memorable moments really stick with you. And having so many – amounts of opportunities to do that um it's it's super rewarding and obviously at this level too but um you know you talk about the memorable games you talk about uh the hardships and all that stuff um we talked about again tammy reese how much of a outgoing person she is and uh, how personable she is too not only with like the media but with of course her team yourself and and everybody else on staff do you have uh, a memorable like tammy moment or tammy uh story that you'd like to tell i do um well, first of all, I want to say Tammy Reese is genuine. Whatever you see, the media sees at the press conferences during it, that's who she is. She's like that all the time. Uh, she's a genuinely amazing human being and, and a great basketball coach. And I think, um, you know, I'm extremely lucky to have a chance to cover, you know, her and her teams over the years. But um, I remember, again, back to that first trip, um, we went to Harvard for our first game uh, last season. And at this point, I'm still kind of out of my element. This is the first time I've traveled with the basketball team. This is the first overnight trip I've done. Um, thankfully, it was in a place I was familiar with. I'm from Massachusetts, so Harvard wasn't that far away from me. So it was familiar in that sense. But I was still kind of getting used to the way things worked. And I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't awestruck when I first went on that trip. Um, so I think we're on the way down to go to the bus maybe for that game. And I get in the elevator. And at first, I'm all by myself. And then, sure enough, Tammy Reese comes in right behind me, and we're the only two people in the elevator. And I remember she looks over to me, and she's like, are you excited for the game? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, there's nothing better than calling basketball. And I think at that moment that also it made me even more excited for the game and also eased, eased tensions a little bit because, um, you know, she saw she, – I think she saw you know, how new I was at that and, and, you know, kind of brought a lot of comfortability to it. Um, but at the same time, you know, again, the excitement. Um, I'll never forget that interaction because, you know, some coaches might not do that. They might just be like, oh, this is, you know, the new broadcaster that travels with us, you know, whatever. But she, she took that time to make me feel welcome and, and make me feel like part of the group, and I'll always appreciate that. Yeah, she's, again, the best. I mean, I wish I covered a little bit more uh, Rhodey women's basketball, but, you know, being able to hear her and, and the way that she speaks, you can just tell that she preaches all of that in practice. And, um, of course, during games and things like that. But um, like you said, super rewarding to have that opportunity. And um, you look back at your entire journey as we talked about it throughout the podcast. Is there something that you would tell your, your younger self or your younger, you know, years prior before this one? Um, You know, kind of the same thing. You know, I would just tell myself, be confident in what you're doing. Uh, you're on the right path and, you know, obviously take advantage of the opportunities you get. Um, make the most of it, too, is important, you know. It's not just about having that opportunity. It's what do you do with it. Um, 
Are you just going through the motions or are you kind of maximizing it? I think that's something I'm still working on um, is kind of appreciating more of where I am and what I'm doing. Because, um, again, it is easy to get you know caught up in things, especially in the middle of a long season when you're on the road a lot and you're just working. It, it does get hard to appreciate. But I think being able to look on those moments and, and again, appreciate what you're doing and, and know that, you know, you're on the right path, you're doing the right thing, and, and this is um, this is what's going to help you moving forward, I think uh, certainly helps a lot. And that's something I tell myself is appreciate every moment. Do you have uh, any plans for the future? Is it kind of just, you know, rolling with what you got right now with, with women's basketball? Yeah, so, you know, I'm looking around for jobs um, now that I'm done with school. Um, I love calling roadie women's basketball games. If I can continue that in the future, that would that would be amazing. I'd be very happy. Um, I'm right now I'm looking around at a lot of, you know, summer baseball gigs, minor league, um, independent leagues, those type of things. Um, and I'm exploring some journalism jobs too, cause that, that was the foundation. That's kind of how I started was with the cigar and writing stories, which I had great experience doing as well. Um, you know, so that's kind of where I'm starting, but ultimately at the end of the day is, you know, I kind of touched on earlier, I, I have to do what's best for me. Uh, in my career. So, you know, hopefully that includes, you know, continuing with this because I, I really love doing it. And at the end of the day in my career, I want to be a broadcaster who has the chance to chronicle every chapter of a team's story. That would be the most fulfilling thing for me. But I think at the end of the day, too, even if I'm not on air, if I'm doing a job in bro- like in broadcasting related to it, I think I'd be happy because I've really fallen in love with broadcasting, um, just the whole the whole of broadcasting, not just, you know, the on air part of it. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I love finding stats. I love finding nuggets. If I could do stats, you know, I think that would be really fun. Um, I've also, I also really enjoy organization and kind of putting things together, um, which when I was the FM sports director at, at WRU, I had the chance to do. Um, I, I think I'd, I'd do well on a job like that. Um, so I'm open to a lot of things, but again, I, I love doing what I'm doing now. And if I can continue that as long as possible, I think that would, that would be cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate you for coming on, Zach. I mean, like I told, said at the beginning, one of the first people I was able to be in contact with, um, you know, really helped me explore like what, what was to come, accepting that offer to URI and being able to have the opportunity to call games on ESPN Plus uh, over the radio. Um, you know, the million dollar question I ask everybody before we end is what do you think of Cam's Corner? This is an amazing podcast. You do such a great job. I've, I've listened to some of your, your earlier episodes, and, and this is amazing. It's a great chance to. To share stories, which again we we both really love doing with with broadcasting, and uh, yeah, no, I'm excited to see where this goes. I, I'm really excited to see your hundredth episode. I think it's going to be an amazing milestone for you. I appreciate that, Zach. Thank you. I wish you the best of luck in everything that you do. Um, wanted to shout out all the broadcasters that have helped me again, like Adam Bernstein, Kyle Standing, but just graduated, like I mentioned, uh, Nathan Robillard, Aiden Garvey, Zach Patrick, everybody that's there currently. Uh, there's just so many. The programs have grown so much. Um, since I've been there, so it's it's been really really cool to be able to be a part of that. Um, you know, now my my final semester as a as a Ram, it's kind of cool how everything's coming together. But we will have more episodes with current broadcasters at URI. Um, one more thank you to Zach Austin for hopping on. Next broadcast for you will be this Saturday at Duquesne, right? Yep. And then our last one is I think two weeks prior yeah. to that, or after that. It's uh, February twenty first. That's a uh, women's basketball bye week, so um, my schedule's freed. Uh, Richmond's coming to the Ryan Center. Uh, that's going to be real fun. Richmond, as of right now, is undefeated, still in the A10. Um, and and the games that we tend to get happen to be good ones. Yeah, um, that's that's going to be my, as far as I'm aware, that's my last 
ESPN Plus broadcast for Rhode Island. So I'm I'm going to be very excited for that one. Try to make Me the too. most of it. It's the last broadcast I have with you, so I'm definitely I'm definitely going to enjoy it. That's your your last one, like officially, and my last one officially as well as a student. So um, is there, before we end off, is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want to? Shout out, tag, anything like that. Um, I am on Twitter or X now, as it's called. Um, right now, my my uh, username is Zach Austin underscore URI. Um, if you want to know when I'm broadcasting a game or any other nuggets about women's basketball, you can find them there. Um, and if you aren't already, which you should be, but if you're not already, <laughs> um, my broadcast for women's basketball, you can find them on the Varsity Network. Um, there's also uh, a link you can listen to, roadie.leanplayer.com. Uh, you can listen to the live broadcast there. You can also listen to past events. Uh, coaches shows are on there too, which we have a couple more of those coming up, which I'm really excited about. Um, so yeah, if you want to listen, if you're, especially if it's a road game, you're not able to make it to the Ryan center for a home game. You want to listen to a local call of the game. That's where you can find it. And you can find cams corner at cams one corner on also social media platforms, Spotify, Apple podcast, Google podcasts, wherever you listen and watch your podcast, you can find me on everything. On that milestone, 200, episode 87 has concluded with Zach Austin. One more time, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys in the next episode of Camp's Corner. Celebrate.